Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about digital hospitality. That's our ongoing thesis that every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Uh, we're so fortunate that we can interview people from all over the globe, people that are in the hospitality business, the tech industry, um, leaders that own different types of businesses, influencers, um, people in sports entertainment, and it's kind of, you know, our barbecue restaurant has become this place where we want to give back as much as we can through education. Every single day we're learning, every time we put on one of these podcasts, we learn from the people that we have on the show. Um, and we want to give you a seat at the table to help your business, um, no matter what business you're in, um, no matter what company you work for. We know that the uh, the smartphone and the things that you can do now digitally to get your story out there, to be a better digital storyteller, um, there's never been so much opportunity, which is why we put on the show, you know, every single week we put on the show to make you a little bit better. We say, stay curious, get involved and ask for help. Um, please reach out to us anytime. You can email me, Sean at CaliBBQ.media, but it's our job, our job every, every week to find the best in the business, the people that are moving, moving the needle. Um, we like to say the people that are playing the game within the game. Today, we have the co-founder of Marquee, uh, Avi Gorin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you uh, you having me today. Well, absolutely. One of the things that, um, you know, we're fortunate to be in the hospitality space to own a restaurant um, that's growing. We opened in the recession. We are expanding in the pandemic. Um, you know, we'd like to think of ourselves as a 13-year startup, but um, we've always been a tech-forward company. I mean, we wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for the internet, if it wasn't for the smartphone, if it wasn't learning for branding, how to claim our Google business page, how to claim our Yelp page, how to respond to Yelp reviews, how to... Get on Facebook, how to get on Instagram, how to start tweeting, how to do all these things that small business owners have had to do, um, but we had to do it to survive. And now we're right. teaching other people the power of doing it. Um, we're also teaching other companies that are typically either offline companies that didn't do digital marketing or social media marketing or tech companies that are looking to create content to get in front of restaurant owners. So for us, it's just such an exciting time because so many people are having conversations that we've never had before. Um, we recently launched with your company um, and we can not be happier with the tools that you're providing restaurant owners. Um, give, give our listeners an idea of what, uh, what Marquee is and the software that you guys provide. Yeah. And, and I love to hear that you guys are enjoying uh, working with us. You know, we, we love getting a chance to work with restaurant tours. Um, you know, end of the day, Marquee is here to create digital operational efficiencies for restaurant tours, right? And that can mean a number of different things. Uh, right now, a core focus is on menu management, location data, right? Need to ensure that when you're you know, restricted by inventory and need to change your menu overnight, right? You need to make sure that menu is going to be accurate everywhere consumers are searching. You don't know where they're coming from. Sure, we think it's Google. Could be Yahoo, could be City Search, could be MapQuest, could be Facebook, right? You need to make sure everything's insured uh, accurately across the board. And we're going to do that by plugging in to your point of sale. Uh, Toast, Revel, Square, Upserve, Clover, any cloud-based system, we're going to jump in there and automate your menu updates in real time. Yeah, I think for me, it's super exciting. And I'll we'll definitely 
dive more into local search, um, what's happened with the internet, what you guys are helping do. But I do want to get into some of your background um, that I found online. And I found that you uh, you, oh. actually, you, you you work for the Texans as an intern back in 2009. <laughs> we and, went deep. Uh, I, I went deep. And one of the one of the, the highlights of working for them was you would uh, you would barter for radio ads please bring me back to bartering for radio ads because that really hits home with me as somebody that we've done anything and everything to get local media press coverage. And that includes sports radio, having live remotes at our restaurant, um, promoting fight night, NFL Sunday. Um, We're very tied into the sports community here in San Diego. And um, I found that very fascinating. So bring me back to your Texan days and working as an intern. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So a, that was by far outside of teaching Hebrew school, the coolest job I had in college. Um, It was, it was so fun. Uh, and so that summer I actually spent in a division within the Texans called Lone Star Sports Entertainment. And our job as a division was basically to utilize the off days from football in the stadium, right? So we're putting on, uh, we're putting on concerts, we're bringing in soccer tournaments, right? Anything we can do to fill the stadium, meaningful ways for the community and obviously profitable for uh, the the owner of the Texans, right? The McNair family. Um, So as an intern, it was my first kind of foray into real office life. And everyone had photos of Dwight and the office characters around. I didn't really get it because I was just, you know, 19 wandering around the Texas stadium. But one of my tasks, because I'm, I'll say I'm fluent in Spanish. My family's from South America. I definitely uh, speak a little bit like a gringo, but I do my best. And, and part of it was bartering for ad time. Right. And, and I was doing it with Spanish speaking stations or, um, you know, different, different stations. Right. And so we were giving away soccer tickets. We were giving away, signed footballs, we were giving away signed soccer, anything we could to get the job done. Uh, And it was definitely my first kind of time negotiating with anything, right? And I hadn't really done that before. Um, It was very fun. It was a cool place to work. I mean, tell tell me about it because I'm I'm fascinated from a content standpoint, storytelling, advertising, marketing standpoint. Um, obviously, 2009 sports entertainment. You're trying to get airtime. Um, one of the things why we're so fascinated is we have so many friends in sports entertainment um, that were radio hosts or local uh, personalities on TV that are now creating their own content. They're blogging. They're um, right. hosting their own podcast shows, but. Tell, tell me why it was valuable to Lone Star uh, Sports Entertainment for you guys to be getting that airtime. Yeah. So end of the day, right, We it's all about filling the stadium with who you think are going to be new fans of whatever event you're doing, right, and, and strong fans, right? So we were doing, uh, I think it was the CONCACAF um, North America Cup. I don't remember the exact details of the event, but it was a CONCACAF soccer event. We had four teams coming in. And we knew we had to get the city excited, right? We have 70,000 seats to fill. Let's see what we can get done. And so as part of that, we targeted probably about 30 to 40 different radio stations in the Houston area, right? So you're going to Katy, Sealy. Uh, I think we even did a little bit in Austin as well because people would drive in for this event. And we obviously knew, right, in the, the Spanish-speaking stations, we're going to have a higher fan base of, of soccer players because America, we're getting there, but we're not there yet. Yep. Um, and so we would go out and we would offer different tickets for giveaways, right? And we would do it based on airtime. So, hey, if we offered, um, you know, 10 mezzanine tickets all grouped together, what kind of airtime will you give us to talk about this event, right? Um, and then we did some really large giveaways with um, – 
uh, you know, further down or, or even time on the, uh, on the pitch, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I spent the whole tournament just up in the announcement booth, which was I mean, so cool. I'd never done that before. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. So then after, after working for them, where, where did you move on to? So I, uh, I went from there. I did a summer with a local Univision uh, television station. We were putting on kind of community events. And then when it came time to graduate from UT, University of Texas, Hookham, uh, we, I went to the wrong job fair. <laughs> I went, you I went to, go to the, the wrong Lawrence. job fair. Where'd you go? I wanted to go to the liberal arts job fair because I was an econ major and I ended up going with, um, my then girlfriend, now wife at the, at the time to the communications job fair. I just, I didn't know what was going on. I went to the wrong job fair and Yelp was there. So I got introduced to Yelp. I was at the time, you know, a big fan again, as a consumer, you, you know, consumers don't really know what goes on on the other side of the table. Sure. And I was very excited to kind of learn more about what they were doing. Right. I, I knew I wanted to work in hospitality. I was a delivery boy in, in, in high school. I worked behind the counter. I made pizzas, kind of every aspect of that. And I loved hospitality. I, I wanted to own a restaurant one day. I mean, it was my dream to get involved in this industry. And, and I always thought it would be on the ownership side. I never thought it would necessarily be on the tech side. But uh, I ended up working for Yelp for about two years after college. What did you learn your, uh, working for Yelp? <laughs> I mean, step one, this is 2012, right? So this is still a little bit of the- they publicly, when, were, when did they become publicly traded? March, 2012. And I joined three oh, really? months later. Okay. Yeah, I joined right. three months after the IPO. And, you know, everyone was talking about the the, the culture change and, and how we're no longer a startup. And, and that's fine, right? I was a class of 40 sellers. Um, you know, fast forward, when I left two years later, there was eight of us. And that, that should tell you all you need to know about uh, what goes on at Yelp. But- end of the day, it was incredible. It was incredibly eye-opening for what goes on in the industry. And again, 2012 is wild, wild west, right? Near me searches are coming. These things, these phones, they're going to they're gonna drive traffic and drive decision-making one day, right? We're there now. But again, at that time, that was- I, would, I, I, I like to think we're there now. I mean, we put on a show telling everybody, <laughs> hey, get on your smartphone. Like, don't just use your smartphone. Like, put your business on the smartphone. Put your business on the app. Start claiming these pages. But yep. you know, I love having these conversations because- it's, it's affected everybody, you know, like we've all gone through it, but we've all gone through it in different points. And no matter where you were in your journey, like, you know, bringing you back to 2012, it's like, you know, the iPhone hasn't been out. It's only been out for five years at that yeah. point. It, it's you know? brand new. And we were still on the iPhone three or four at this point, yeah. right? Nowadays, there's nothing that drives urgency, like walking and having your phone, right? This is, yeah. this is guiding your next movement. But at that time, you know, we're also battling the idea of Groupon mania, right? Groupon had yeah. just kind of launched and these conversations with restaurant owners was a lot of, well, our marketing dollars are pretty open, but we're, we're loving the business we're getting from Groupon, but they hadn't had that moment yet of, oh, we just gave away $50,000 Correct. free products yet. Right. And then we brought in a different class of customer that expects everything to be discounted. It, exactly. And so that was kind of an interesting thing to see, but end of the day, my biggest takeaway was that restaurant owners just want to run their restaurant. They just want to get back to making pizza, making barbecue, right. And getting back to why they opened up the business in the first place. Mm -hmm. No one opens up a pizzeria to become a digital marketer. Yep. Right. That's just not what you do it for. And it was eye-opening to me because I always thought I wanted to be on the other side of that aisle. I always thought I wanted to open up my own place, but 
having experienced that and seen it, I realized that maybe there's an opportunity here to make life easier for the industry I care about versus maybe, you know, opening up something. And so that kind of started my journey to where we finally got to today. Yeah. And so tell me, so you went from Yelp to Yext. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition and uh, yeah. what, what, what you learned over at that spot? So the, the, the key difference there between is after Yelp, I needed a little bit of a breather and, uh, my, again, my then girlfriend, my wife and I decided to leave our jobs and backpack South America for six months. My family was from there. I hadn't had a chance to see my grandparents in a while. And it was just a moment to kind of clear your head. And when we came back, I knew I wanted to get back into tech. I didn't think I wanted to necessarily be on the sales side of things. I started interviewing at a few different companies, um, was fortunate to get a few offers. And then one of my best friends at the time, now one of my co-founders said, hey, I'm at Yext. I think you'd, you'd really like it here. It's different than what you've experienced in the past. Why don't you just come in for an interview? Ended up interviewing for their partnership team. Uh, it was a smaller team at the time. There was about 15 or 20 people on the team, and it felt like a startup. It felt like the decisions and, and things we did on a daily basis impacted our department, our division, our company, and, and I fell in love, right? It was an opportunity to have a complete 180 from what I experienced at Yelp, where there was a lot of secretness and, and, and you know the CEO was never necessarily opening up about what's going on. To my day one at Yex, Howard Lerman comes out and addresses everyone and talks about the culture and the history what, and what, what they're trying the to build. Size? What was the size of Yelp when you were there? How many employees? At, at Yelp, we were already, I think I was employed like 2,000 and change. Wow. Right. And then at Yext, I was in the low 200. And again, people had left. So in the office, there was maybe 150. And Yext right. was not, it wasn't a publicly traded company. It was private. It was private. They had just raised their Series C, uh, okay. I think around a $500 million valuation, give or take. Okay. And so it was an exciting time, right? We were we were able to kind of double down on on decisions and, and really test things. And I remember getting to, to work with the leadership team there in a way that I didn't get to do at Yelp. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that as a, you know, I was 24, 20,000 is a huge swing. <laughs> it's a huge swing. And it was also my, my second job. Right. And at that point I was 24, 25 and knew that I wanted to walk away from my time at Yext with the ability to start a company. I was yeah. ready to learn and try and make an impact and do a better job at, I guess, playing a little bit of the politic game. Right. And, and really making an effort to, make connections and learn from people there uh, because whatever I did next, I knew I wanted to be on my own. Yeah. Um, and coincidentally enough, the person who ended up hiring me uh, was also the first check into marquee and is now my co-founder, uh, Brian Rakowski. So it was, it's, oh, wow. you know, it's, it's a, I feel so fortunate that I was able to meet the people I did at Yex because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Had I not gone through Yelp, learned what I learned, gone through Yext, learned what I learned. And now I feel like I'm in a position to really make a difference in what I'm trying to do in the industry we're trying to, to, to impact. And, and tell me, what was the genesis of Marquee? Yeah. So, you know, step one, um, again, we wanted to find a way and we didn't have this immediately, but we wanted to democratize technology for hospitality, right? And and at first it was kind of around a focus on marketing. And so we launched with a specials app for iOS only that allowed SMBs to take a photo of their food because end of the day, and I still believe this, a restaurant owner's main content isn't resharing blogs, isn't resharing articles, it's your food, right? I'm coming to you because of your food and it looks good. 
right? So let's let's advertise this. Let's blast this out there. So the app we created was for restaurateurs to take a photo of their food, of their special, and post it. And when they posted it, it was going to go through the Yex network and our network and go everywhere. So now you're updating 80 different sites. You're putting up new photos. You're getting content on your sites. Um, and again, everyone has a special. It doesn't matter if you're Uchi in Austin, a high-end sushi place. You have Saki Social. You have Fish of the Day. You have different cuts um or your hair the dog in new york doing two dollar you call it's on tuesday nights right everyone has specials and we kind of floundered around that i was a sole founder we we floundered there for about a year and then we had this aha moment when we signed our largest client gregory's coffee um and they said hey what can you do with menus we're struggling with menus and we kind of had this moment of I bet you a lot of people are struggling with menus, right? Specials are just a part of menus. They're struggling with specials or struggling with menus. How can we tackle this problem? Um, and that kind of led us down this path, this, this pivot point of what a true pain point is. And, and from there, we were able to build our first integration into Toast. We got into Quake Capital Accelerator. We started building out the team. Evan joined me full-time as a co-founder. We hired our first uh, team member. And from there, it started to kind of spiral and roll a bit to where we got today. And we made the shift from saying, we're not about marketing. Yes, it's a byproduct of what we do. Yeah. But end of the day, we're here to create operational tools. And that's, I think, that pivotal moment for Marquee where we realize we can make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, for me and anybody that's listening to the show, I mean, we care about digital hospitality, essentially, you know, the work that you do. We've had Zach Oates, who's the founder of Ovation. We use both Ovation and we use Marquee. Um, you know, we talk to restaurant owners all the time. I go on panels for restaurantowner.com, talk to independents. Uh, but it, it's so fascinating because... Yes, for me, I consume it all the time. Like I'm, I'm there updating the profile, right. but as we grow, I can't continue to do it. I can't continue mm -hmm. to post content to Yelp Connect, which is a right. business social media tool that pushes out content the same way that Facebook does, but it's specific to Yelp. I can't continue to right. post to, you know, face uh, Google my business the same way. And then once I start to look into it and I look into what you guys are doing, there's so many things that I know are important, but I just don't even have the time to go, well, how do I update my location through Opal, Apple Maps? Yep. Guess what? Like, is there a way to do it? Yeah, there is, but it's not set up for me. Not right now. Apple's doing way other different shit. Like, but that's something- They're, they're not even easy for us to- we we have to take time to make sure that's done and we know at this point we know the support team there right they they hear from us enough correct um you know our for a long time in our in our pitch deck for investors or, or anyone we used to have this slide of mario kart right and going on the fast track and that's what we're aiming to do for operations team because it doesn't matter if you're a single location operator yep. or 100 locations oh yeah typically with, with our with our larger clients they still have two to four people in operations and no one is looking to manually update a menu Correct. on 80 different sites. <laughs> well, the, the fascinating thing too, is like once you deal, once you start going down marketing and you start thinking, oh, well, that person's in, char in charge of social. Well, if they're in charge of social, are they in charge of updating menu management? Are they in charge of the website? Like there's so much fragmentation where literally what we talk about is like, 
everybody in the organization needs to understand that digital hospitality, it's in real life hospitality and it's online hospitality. And we need the tools to help us to do all of these things. You know, literally by bringing on Marquee, I'm not just bringing on software, I'm bringing on your entire team to help me solve these issues, to say, yes, we have Kyle Fluger who runs Mithral Media, who builds our mobile first site that integrates with Toast. But ultimately I've got a whole team at Marquee that can help us and Kyle look at the analytics from our website to say, hey, did you see or did you notice this? You know, you've got a whole team ready to support me and my needs, which, yes, they're going to be different than somebody else. But guess what? There's going to be another independent restaurant owner that might have the same problem. And if you can roll it out to them, you're going to make a huge impact. Well, and there's two things on that, right? Something that we strive for and it is the backbone of marquee when we talk about everything we're doing if we don't do this one thing right it doesn't matter and that's support if you don't get a same day response and look if you if it's after 7 p.m eastern you're going to get an automated response it will get to you first thing in the morning but if you don't get a same day response from us to at least let you know that we have heard your problem we're going to either have a solution today or if it's a if it's a little bit more complicated we'll get something done as quickly as we can but to let you know that we we hear you we're going to work on this and we're going to make sure you're better for it. It's so important because people forget to put hospitality and hospitality tech. And, and I saw it at Yelp. I saw it, you know, across the industry. I've seen it just in our, in, in some other people in the space right now. And if we don't do support, well, it doesn't matter how good your product is because people want to know that they're being taken care of. Right. Um, yeah. And 100%. It's so important. I mean, 100 percent. I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts because, you know, we we work with Yelp. We work with Toast. We work with I mean, the amount of tech companies that we work with, it's it's exciting for us because we know that our our opinion matters. And we also know that we're the voice of the voiceless. Not every restaurant owner is fucking nuts like me and wants to put on a <laughs> podcast and spend all this time talking about tech and going to panels and doing all this other bullshit. But I, I'll take that responsibility because I know that it can impact somebody else so that they can make their restaurant better. But for me, what I've noticed, and this was, you know, even before we were working with tech companies as much as we are now, you know, just working with U.S. Foods, our primary food partners, it's understanding the sales position and the support position. You know, it's easy to focus on sales. Yes, we need to grow sales, but it's the support side of what does that person do to support the customer? Because back to the pain point, when a US foods rep who we absolutely love, Gabe is our guy, Josh is our guy, like we have this whole ecosystem of people that will get shit done for us at US foods. Right. But when they come in, you know, their team, their management, their publicly traded company, they come in and they say, hey, you know, go and sell Sean and Cali barbecue, you know, all of these new menu items that we have. Well, if he comes in and he starts telling me and my general manager and Gene, my pit master and barbecue consultant, if he tells us a bunch of stuff on a day where we're doing fucking construction on the back patio and building, you know, smokers like let's guess what? I don't I'm not ready to look at appetizers to add to the menu, but he's <laughs> smart enough. The team is smart enough. U.S. Foods is smart enough to put him in a position to be a support guide where it's mm-hmm. not about sales all the time. It's about how can I be there to help relieve pain points, even if it's not my job. Absolutely. Well, and to that point, something that we rolled out about four months ago, um, and it's credit to our team, our leadership team, our, our, our player, everybody, everybody at Marquee is focused on the support side. And to that point, once a quarter, every single seller needs to spend one day on support. Every single seller spends a day answering support tickets, jumping on support calls. And it's twofold, right? 
it makes them better at their job because they understand that this is an ongoing thing. It's not a, 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 a transactional sale and you're done, right? We are continuing to support our clients and they learn some things they didn't even know before, right? They're learning that, hey, people are actually reaching out to understand how they can pre-schedule our changes, right? I know I'm giving everyone two weeks off in August. I don't know, Astoria Seafood, my favorite place in, in Queens. Every August, they pick two random weeks and they're closed. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many years I've, I've gone and they're closed. Um, and now we have a chance to actually tell people, hey, you can pre-schedule that, right? And it just makes them better sellers. It makes them better at explaining what Marquee can do because everyone has different pain points and problems, right? And we can solve them in a multitude of ways. We just need to understand better what your pain points are, right? And so that single day of support every quarter plays uh, massive effects for our team. So we've talked about menu management, and obviously that's so important, especially now with third-party delivery and Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub um, and, you know, having correct pricing, frankly. Um, but can you can you give us a little bit of the back history of, of listing management and how it got as crazy as it is and why a restaurant yeah. owner or, and it's not just restaurants. I mean, I, I, I talk about this all the time. This, this podcast isn't just for restaurants. It's for small business owners. If you're a brick and mortar shop, you have to be digital. You have to claim your Yelp page. You have to claim yep. your Google page. You have to do all this fucking stuff because when people are searching for whatever your product or service is, and it's near me, all of that local search, like local search is beyond important. Why is it beyond yeah. important? Well, so it's twofold there, right? And I'm glad you talked about brick and mortar because that's what it comes down to. And the ecosystem of local search is broken. No one's going to fix it. It's just broken, right? The way it works is you have companies like Yahoo who say, and Yelp too, right? We're just going to buy data. We're going for quantity over quality. We know we need more information. So we're going to buy a list. Who are we going to buy a list from? Well, let's get 5,000 LLCs from XYZ zip code. Okay. Well, when I set up Marquee, I foolishly put in my cell phone number, right? So now my cell phone number is listed everywhere. And then it's an incestuous system. So if Yahoo has it, okay, well, City Search is going to scrape them. And then 8Coupons is going to scrape them. And then local.com is pulling it. And all of a sudden, your LLC information is showing for your business. And when you think about local SEO and how you do search, and why is Google, that important? Because most LLCs are not the DBA that the business. None of them are. Branded. None of them are. <laughs> like, like for a reason, for liability right. purposes. <laughs> None of them are. And with Google, it's binary, right? If I'm looking up Cali barbecue, and on Yahoo, your Cali barbecue and bar, and yeah. on City Search, your SWBBQ Media, those are different businesses. You're going right. to lose your local SEO foundation. And so the way we talk about it is step one, cleaning up your listings. This is your foundation. If you don't have accurate listings, nothing else matters. Yeah. Nothing else matters, right? Once we get that cleaned up and accurate, now we can have some fun. Now we can start layering in photos. Let's start layering in menu updates, right? Now we're publishing and pushing and, and, and sending things to these sites that are building on the relevancy component. Because end of the day, it's accuracy and relevancy. That's all that matters, right? At the core of it, right? We can get into fancier topics. And I know I, last time we spoke, I, I kind of showed you this concept of, it's not just a matter of near me, it's best pizza near me. And then yeah. Google's only showing you 4.0 and higher. Yeah. Right. And so there's different ways that you can master this. But end of the day, local listings 
is what will be your foundation for future success. And we see it all the time. It's, I mean, it's fascinating to me coming from, you know, opening in 2008, where literally I paid for a fucking yellow page ad. And for those of you that are too young to know what the yellow pages are, it was a book. It's a directory listing that literally that was, you know, you apply for the chamber of commerce and you put a, an ad in the yellow page book and, you know, people would name their business yeah. like a barbecue shop so that they could be in the a part of the, the bar, you know, the yellow page. Uh, book. I was about to say the triple, triple a barbecue is triple over. A barbecue. Those there are you over. Go. <laughs> yeah. Great branding tip right there. And all, all for yeah, yellow. Those, pages. those days are over. Those uh, day, those but it's days a crucial over. part. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And so, you know, for us, it's all about, holding the hand of our, of our clients and making sure they understand step one is cleaning it up because what's the point of sending people to a wrong listing anyway. Right. Yeah. And then we can start talking about menus. Cause again, without menus, you're not going to give one table a different menu with different prices than table two, right? They right. need to match. And so it's all about layering and the process and end of the day, local SEO is a puzzle, right? We like to think we can play a, a big piece of that puzzle, but it's a puzzle and you have to be adjusting and moving and constantly pushing and, and you can't just be stagnant. Yeah. Well, what's relevant today in 2021, it's not going to be relevant in 2022. I mean, <laughs> chances are at the end of the year, I mean, we, you, we don't know what Amazon Alexa's updates are going to be. You know, we don't know what Siri, we don't know what, you know, the Tesla, Tesla cars there are, what maps are in there and what, what voice enabled, you know, go find barbecue right. for me. Like we're, what's showing up. Like, and that's why we have to be everywhere. Correct. Correct. And I'd love for you to talk about publishing because it's something that is very frequently ignored. We talk about it a lot. Um, Stover, my producer, we talk about four P's for producing digital content and that's planning, uh, planning, producing, publishing, and promoting. But the publishing piece is the hardest piece for so many people. But if you don't publish the, to the internet, you're dead. Why is publishing yeah. so important? Well, I, and I think this kind of comes back to what I, what I, when we talked about my, our first, you know, foray of marquee being that specials app, your food is still your content. That is your heaviest piece of media of content, right? It's your food. And through marquee, you can now publish your menu changes. You can publish your photos in one stop because again, reviews are important. Photos are important. Menu items are important. These are what drive consumer decision-making. And so you can take three approaches, right? You can, you can pick two or three sites that you're going to actively manage and ignore the rest and there'll be bad data and you'll lose out. And that's fine because you're managing Yelp, Google, and Facebook, or you can do nothing, which we start to see less and less of. You can do nothing, or you can utilize a service like Marquee where you'll be able to, in one action, publish on our dashboard, And then our APIs will go out and get this content everywhere, right? Because publishing shouldn't be that difficult, right? You shouldn't have someone who's your general manager who needs to be focusing on making sure your customers, your in-premise customers are having a great time and taking care of any problems that arise there, taking an hour or two a week to publish on these digital sites, Mm -hmm. right? It should be five minutes. Or if you utilize our integrations, it should be, you know, no minutes. Um, And it's so important. And it shouldn't be this daunting task, right? We're kind of out of excuses. Uh, I'm old school. I'm this, I'm that. That doesn't exist anymore. There's, there's no reason to not publish. 
Yeah, I mean, the you know, it's one of the things that drives me nuts when I go on Facebook and a restaurant group and people on on those groups that go, well, I'll never go on Yelp. And, you know, I don't care what somebody's subjectivity towards a platform mm-hmm. is. You have to be objective. There's like 120 million, if not more people on Yelp <laughs> like that are looking for products and services and the SEO that goes behind Yelp, like ignoring the platform or saying, you know, I don't care about Facebook because of, you know, the politics of my, you know, my cousin that lives in like, who cares? Like your business needs to be on on Facebook. You need to publish content on Facebook. When somebody writes a review on Facebook, they have 200 friends or 400 friends, 4,000 friends, like, or they're publishing content in a local, you know, group that was set up during COVID just to promote local restaurants. And yet you're telling me it's not important to be on Facebook. That's crazy. Well, and, and I'll do you one even better. We have a client, 10508 locations. They were focusing on the main directories, right? Facebook, Google, Foursquare Bing, TripAdvisor. We got them onto Marquee. Fast forward into month two, all of a sudden their second tier sites that we kind of lumped together for analytics. And that's gonna be, you know, Topalo.com, local.com, city search, all these tier two sites. When we say we work with 80 directories, how many tier probably one name, sites? How many tier one sites are there? You know, I consider it tier 1A and tier 1B, right? Like tier 1A is going to be the, the top six, right? You got Google, Facebook, TripAdvisor, uh, Yelp, Yahoo, Bing. And you could argue Foursquare has enough historical reason to be in there, but uh, it could be tier 1B, right? And then you go into your Dex Media, and that's going to be yellow pages, super pages, because they still have a grasp and arguably map. What did you call it? You called it what? Dex. Dex Media. So that's kind of the the, the, the top company that owns all okay. these different yellow page sites, right? Dex okay. Media. All these listing sites. That's right. And then you get into your tier two site and that's local.com, Tupalo, 8 Coupons, right? All these sites you're like, who is going there to mm-hmm. make their decisions? But the reality is they're getting hundreds of thousands, if not more views a month, millions of views on these sites nationwide. So Google is counting them as a qualified source, right? That's why your content needs to be on there. It's why it needs to match. You have that much time for a local SEO site like Google to recommend you, right? Um, and so back to this, this client of ours with a hundred some locations, month one, they got 30,000 views on these sites. Month two, 60 some thousand. That started to climb month over month, 75,000, 100,000. They hit a high right before COVID of 1.2 million profile views on these tier two sites crazy that fat that, that back up a year and change ago they weren't getting yeah right? so it comes back to just needing to be everywhere and publishing everywhere and it doesn't have to be complicated we want to give you an easy button to do that well it's even more powerful like you're talking about a million different page views what if the link to order is wrong <laughs> Exactly. And uh, so as part that's right. That's, that's right. A lot it, it, of money. Like get like what if you have a broken link or a link that doesn't take somebody to a mobile first site where they can order something and buy it and come and pick it up, I mean, you're you're just you're missing everything. Well, and that that's exactly right, right? And that's why as part of this, when we talk about what you're actually putting in marquee, part of your onboarding with us is making sure that we have your first party ordering link. Yes. connected as part of like our, we're calling it our featured message. And that's, what's being published on, you know, Yahoo and Bing and city search and all these sites, because again, it's, it's driving that first party traffic to you. Right. And that's a whole other discussion about making sure you own that data that I can, I can go yeah. into for a long time, but 
it's it, like you said, having that right link is so important. And, and you'd be shocked at the amount of people that don't. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it's crazy. We've seen it because we, you know, during the pandemic, we've tried to support a lot of local restaurants here where we live. You know, we have a family and we're, you know, mom and pop shop, you know, local Chinese place, try to go to their website. Right. And you're like, oh my God, this, like somebody needs to help them. Like Toast needs to help them. Somebody, like there's so many, there's so many incredible technology tools that are Absolutely. available that this stuff can't be, I mean, it's, it's more important than anything in your restaurant because it's literally going to drive the traffic to your restaurant. Absolutely. It's going to drive traffic. And then, you know, brings us to kind of that last part of the equation of, of being able to track it, right? Making sure that between Google Analytics, your own um, content that you're pulling from your own reporting and toast or wherever you're, whatever point of sale you're using, and then taking our analytics and kind of getting that bird's eye view and making sure that just because we're seeing an increase in your discovery searches, right, that should also lead to an increase in your bottom line one way or another, right? Um and I mean, if you don't mind, if I could share something just from your own Please. dashboard with us. When when a, when a podcast guest shares, it's nothing makes Stover, my producer, happier. <laughs> give, give us some visual content. So for those of you that are watching on YouTube, you'll get to see the uh, the screen share. And if you're just yeah, here, let me, audio, let me we'll, we'll give you the play-by-play. -play. And this is, uh, this is why, if you saw my eyes kind of darting, I was trying to start pulling this up. Um, right, and so we pull up Cali Comfort Barbecue. Yeah, as people on the podcast know, we we let our our tech our tech friends and partners share all of our data with everybody. If we're using you guys, there's a reason why we're using it, and we want other restaurant owners to know about it. Well, and that's why I wanted to ask before I did anything, right? And we're still pulling in some data here, but let me pull this through to March 31st. So this is really behind the smoke. You're getting a look at our listing right our key yep so something that we like to talk about here is going to be google search queries right direct discovery branded direct is great i'm looking for you i know you what are your hours what are your menus that's an easy one you should own that every time where do customers grow where do restaurants grow discovery searches right blank near me and we're gonna look at this week over week your first full week with us you had 9,700 discovery searches, right? Great. Well, 10,000 discovery searches. Exactly. Let's just fast forward, right? Last week of March, you hit 17,000. It's 70% jump from literally doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Has your life been impacted from a from a task standpoint from working with us has there been anything you're well, doing yes you've actually made you've made our tasks easier because steven my catering manager who responds now to all of our google reviews facebook reviews and yelp reviews now he can just log into marquee and re respond from there as as opposed to logging Perfect. into each platform and then doing that plus he's bringing data every single week to the manager meeting to let us know what we're doing right and what we need to improve on Perfect. So we're able to give you time to go to your other tasks, which is even better, right? And then when we talk about kind of these tier two sites, you'll see here we bundle, uh, pull this back up. Oh, I clicked on something. I shouldn't have clicked. I swear I know how to use this platform. <laughs> right. Oh, now I got to go back to just this. Yeah, the dashboard. Fun so I guess this can lead me while you're looking for that. How hard is it? to build an app on the back end for, for the business. 
So as far as kind of spinning one out for each new client or no. one, one where instead of managing this on a desktop, I would have an app that I would be able to manage. So, you know, it's, we have a couple of mobile first features. We yeah. found that an app isn't necessarily going to give you what you're looking for. What we do have is kind of an AI text tool that allows you to respond to reviews yeah. via text, right? There so you, you can go. get notified of a text, respond to it that way. You can also update your hours via text. What we found is that people want to engage versus observe, right? Via mobile phone. So people rarely want to go into their analytics and pull up these charts, no, but I it want, is one of these things. I want triggers for notifications of weekly, weekly reports or anything that's out of the ordinary. Exactly. And so that's something where we do send out email notifications, but via text, you can be notified of a new review and respond immediately via text. Um, you can also be, you know, walking with your business partner and say, oh, we're going to be closed XYZ day and fire off a text and it'll automatically update. Um, but to kind of show you back to this, right? So when we talk about listings, this is going to be your non Google Yelp and Facebook listings. Your first full week with us was two, got you listed, jumped to 178. You hit a peak of 334, right? And this is just getting started single yes. location in a place where I'm sure there's not, you know, it's not the, the highest traffic. No, we're in, in, we're, in, in right? yeah, we're in the most difficult location. <laughs> we, right. We so we're not going to take that for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, just in this short period, middle of January to end of March, and we're still getting data, by the way, from the end of March, we operate in about a two week delay because we're pulling mm -hmm. in so much content. You'll see this only goes through the 28th, right? We had a high of 334. So we've doubled that. Um, Google views on map, right? We talk about mobile phone. Yeah. That's where people are searching. No one's going to google.com on their phone. They're taking out maps and doing near me. Right. right. If you're on Google.com doing near me, it's still pulling into the map feature. So well, you don't even need to do near me anymore. You can just go to Google Maps and type barbecue, right? Well, and that's the hard part, right? We don't know how consumers are searching. We don't know if they're putting in barbecue 78704, yeah. if they're putting in barbecue near me, best barbecue near me. When yeah. I'm in a new town, I don't do any search without starting with the word best. Yep. Right. Because I'm not. I, I have a day here. I'm not going to waste my time with with the third best. I want number one. Right. And, right. and I'm going to count on reviews or infatuation or referrals or whatever it might be. Your map views went from call it seventeen and a half thousand on your first full week with us to almost doubling to about thirty and a half thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. That is an exciting jump. Right. That's what we like to see. Um, you know, this is the kind of content where we talk about discovery searches, near me searches. Uh, this is what we're, we're striving for, right? These kinds of up and to the right on discovery. It's, it's where we want to be, right? And overall, right, we're seeing 70% be discovery. If we play with this a little bit, and let's just see what happens if we did just up to March and like how, up to February, right? Discovery went to 68. Um, you're growing, right? You're going to see that discovery grow over time. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's powerful for a single location, not in a major city, yeah. right? Seeing that kind of percentage growth is exciting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the thing that, I mean, we love what we do putting on this podcast. We love having the conversations that we have, you know, it's just, this is the thesis, you know, the brick and mortar businesses that 
make the pivot that decided that, okay, now is the time I'm tired of listening to Sean on the fucking podcast, talk about it. Like I need to do something about it. And it's not just for restaurants. It doesn't matter if you're a barbershop. It doesn't matter if you're a law firm. It doesn't matter if you're in insurance, if you're in real estate, whatever fucking, if you're a nonprofit, like this shit is so important that you start to claim these categories and start to own this real estate on all these different apps in the app store. Like it's just, it's not hard to figure out. If you go to the most downloaded apps for free and you find out which ones are there, is your business on there? And what does it look like on there? Is are that's they all correct? You know, that, that's right. And and you'd be shocked. I mean, it's when we do our, our demos with, with prospects and we show them their errors. The holy shit! I mean, that was someone I bought the restaurant from four years ago. Why is their name still on on Yahoo? Right? It's crazy. And you know, we haven't even started talking about your, your content that's going to come up in San Diego, right? Well, we're going to help with that virtual kitchen concept yeah, and correct. the things that we're doing with some of our clients in their ghost kitchens. It's incredible. I'm, I'm blown away by the impact it can have on ghost virtual kitchens because you're lacking the storefront. You're focusing on DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, but at the end of the day, consumer behavior is still starting on Google. You're still yeah. starting with blank near me, right? And so you need that in brick and mortar, virtual. Um, if you're going to be a local business, you need to be local. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that gets me the most excited about, you know, our friendly ghost concept and talking to other operators about ghost concepts is once you have tools and technology like marquee, like ovation, then you can be proactive instead of reactive, you know, and that's right you have to have the team. Like if it's not boots on the ground, sometimes, you know, especially in the world that we live in, in 2021, it's, this is a different playground. You know, it's a different playground than legacy companies, even tech companies that were built, you know, in 2000 to 2007 before the first iPhone came out. Like That's right. Well, and and just to, to kind of touch on what you talked about earlier about us being an extra team for you guys, it's hard to analyze all this data. Right. Yeah. And so we'll, I mean, look, if you want to have a monthly call, a quarterly call, our team is happy to do that and go through this data and give you an example. We have a client out in San Diego with, with two locations and they were wondering why they started to plateau, right? They're struggling to gain search exposure. They're struggling to climb that ladder that you should be climbing after a couple of years of being a successful restaurant and brand in yeah. the area. And after right? Tracking their data. They were in our, our kitchen sink package, which comes with keyword tracking. And we're going through their category tracking, their keyword tracking. We're doing Google trend analysis with them. End of the day, it came up to the point that their tagline after their name didn't make the most sense, right? It wasn't the highest keyword. So they changed the, that, that word to Mediterranean. And all of a sudden, in the last month, we've seen about a 25 to 30% increase in it's local SEO. And the problem is if you're a single unit operator, even a five location operator, and you don't have the team or the the, the capacity to do this because you're so busy, yeah. you're never going to do it. Correct. But if you tell us and you work with us and say, hey, this is something I'm, I'm thinking about or I'm concerned about, we'll do that deep dive with you, right? We'll be that analytic team with you and walk you through it and help you get to where you need to be. Again, kind of back to that concept of democratizing technology. You shouldn't have to not have access to data just because you're not a 300 location restaurant group backed by private equity. Yep. How do you, how do you scale a tech company and how do you, how are you hiring? We're hiring. Um, and it's something that we talk a lot about, have some sleepless nights about, 
you know, early on when I was a single founder and the only, I used to tell people, right, I'm January when you, were a single founder, when you were a single founder and not a fa- new father. <laughs> That's right. That's right. single founder, not a father. Yes. Um, you know, I used to, people used to, where they asked me how to go to Marquee and I kept saying the word we, and they'd say, who the hell is we? Like, I yeah. know it's just you. And we is stronger. Um, we is much we stronger. Exactly. Always. And always so we would, we. Meet with, we'd meet with investors and they would say, well, how do you just copy yourself 30 times. Like, how are you going to actually scale this? Can you can't clone yourself? Fortunately, you know, between bringing on incredible co-founders in Evan and Brian and bringing in different perspectives, we've been able to start growing our team. And, you know, there's such an emphasis on a bringing on a diverse team from different backgrounds, different experiences. We love it. In all of our interview questions, the two questions we ask in every interview have you worked in hospitality mm-hmm. and what's your favorite hot sauce? <laughs> Outside of that, sauce? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can go learn a lot about someone and I'll tell you right now, if they answer Tabasco and no to hospitality, it calls over, um, <laughs> you know, have a personality, uh, that's uh, great. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to hire, but it has to get done. And so, you know, when we, we just, we offer, we put out four offer letters last week that probably came from about, I'm going to say 30 interviews, give or take. Wow. And that's only the ones that kind of got to Todd and I. There's some that Brian didn't even advance to that stage, right? Because end of the day, we need to make sure whoever we bring on is aligned with our vision of support and hospitality, right? Everything else can be coached. You can't coach a love of the industry, right? And typically, if you've worked in hospitality, whether it's a delivery boy, uh, delivery guy, delivery person, sorry, um, whether you've worked in, in, in hospitality, you know, in back of house, front of house, whatever it is, you're going to at least have sympathy and love for the people you're working with because restaurant tours, and, and I felt this way before, but holy shit has COVID proven that y'all are the hardest working people here. No one has perseverance and an and, and eagerness to, to make this business work like restaurateurs and hospitality. And I have never been prouder to work with this industry. And we need to make sure that those we hire and bring on have that same love and passion for what we're doing. Um, I agree. It, it impacts everything. I agree. And I, I want that's... people, I want people to speak with us and say, Holy shit. That person loves menus. Like that, yeah. that's very <laughs> much there to menus. <laughs> that person loves listings. <laughs> this person just, he, they, they have to have every single listing. Correct. <laughs> they will find you go to the end of the earth to make sure that phone number is correct. Amen. That address is correct. Amen. Correct Amen. Category. You know, Mediterranean, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Fix it. Well, and, and like our team, you know, it's one of these things where they're watching Modern Family and someone makes a Yelp comment and they record it. They like rewind, record it yep. and send it to the team. Right. And just little things that when you see it during the day, you love it. Um, yep. It just, it, it's, it's fun to build the team. We're fortunate that my co-founders are just incredible. We all kind of complement each other's skill sets. The team we're building today, whether it's our sellers or our support team, they are continuing to impress me every single day because we set new records every month for who we're bringing on and the numbers and our support team has not missed a beat. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch. I have to say it's, it's fun at this point, the blood, sweat and tears, at least the tears part might be over. The blood and sweat's still there, yeah. but um, it's fun. That's awesome. Well, uh, what's the best way for people to find Marquee and how can they, if they want to learn more about what you guys can do for their brick and mortar? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our website, marquee.com, M-A-R-Q-I-I.com. We could not afford the U. Please don't spell it with a U. It's a big branding error, but we're living with it. 
M-A-R-Q-I-I.com. Uh, you can email us at support at marquee.com. You can email me, avi at marquee.com, A-V-I at marquee.com. We will get you in touch with the right people. You'll be blown away. You'll be happy you made this decision. We're going to make your life easier. We'll work with your team. Uh, marquee.com, M-A-R-Q-I-I. Or if you're at the Pizza Expo in August, if it happens, we will be there too. Awesome. Well, yeah, we appreciate you guys for checking out the podcast. Um, please go check out Marquee. Um, email Avi if you have any questions. Um, you can always email me at sean at calibbq.media um, on all the social platforms at Sean P. Walchef. Uh, check me out on TikTok, Instagram, Clubhouse, uh, LinkedIn. You know where I am. I'm everywhere. Um, but we love you guys. We appreciate it. Stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you.